okay? And for our guest today, we are in a series entitled The Lion Roars. We are in chapter 3 today, working our way uh, slowly through this book, but we are being reminded that there is a price to pay for sin, and as the church, represented by the picture as we're looking at Israel and Judah, the divided kingdom of Israel, we recognize that God will not tolerate disobedience. Uh, this morning as we come back to today, uh, it's a blessing to see some of you. Uh, it's great to have Albert and Shirley back with us and Jane, good to have you back recovering. And these beautiful flowers in front of the pulpit are in memory of Lewis Jones. And it's good to have Margaret and family here today. Margaret, we love you and thank God for you. And uh, one of the easiest funeral services I've ever preached took place this week because Lewis had preached it very clearly for me. And I praise God for his life. So you pray for them. And uh, he's probably in heaven this morning. And I don't know, Lewis, if you, if you can view this service or not. But he's probably thinking, boy, I heard some bad preaching on earth. If Brother Greg would get a glimpse of what I see, amen, heaven is worth it after all. It is worth it all. And I praise the Lord for the privilege to open the word of God this morning. You know, sometimes I believe the devil wants us to think that without us, the church would really struggle. Or without me, or with, without you, I'm not sure First Camden would get by. Well, I want to remind you this morning that in Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And what I love about the church is God continues to call people to serve, to ministry, to mission fields. Uh, he always has a remnant to accomplish his task. And here's some good news as a Southern Baptist this morning. This past week, the International Mission Board announced that for the first time in a long time, they have over 1,100 international missionaries in the pipeline to be trained to go. That's big. That is huge. And you'll say, well, Brother Greg, what's the holdup? Funding. And uh, I praise the Lord that God continues to call people to serve. And one of those that was called to serve was Amos. And you may not realize this, but Amos was not just a, a, a sheep farmer, a herder, but he was also, according to Amos chapter 7, uh, he was a fig, fig, fig farmer. And so this simple man uh, had his eyes set on God, and God looked at this simple man and said, I'm going to do something big through him because he is available for me to use. So, so far in Amos 1 and 2, here's what we've come, come to find out. You ready? Are you listening? God has their attention. So here's my question to us this morning. What will it take in your life for God to get your attention? Tim, I hope it's not falling off a ladder. Amen? Amen? I hope it's not something where God's just going to have to stop me in my tracks. But God had Israel's attention. Now, when you look at chapter 3, the first verse says this, 
hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family, which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, you only have I known of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for all of your iniquities. So in the first two chapters, we learn that uh, Israel and Judah, they, they seem to enjoy the judgment against their enemies. But when God got their attention and said, hold it, it's you, the painful lessons began. This morning, most of you, uh, I mean, there's a few exceptions, uh, Ron, Tim, most of you look good this morning. And I would imagine most of us looked in a mirror before we came to church today. And tweaked what was needed. And, hey, that may be, that may be Lewis Jones calling from heaven, I'm not sure. But we looked in the mirror and we made the necessary adjustments. Maybe with, maybe with clothing or something, but there are certain things when I looked in the mirror this morning, I, I couldn't change, I can't change. I mean, I can't change the shape of my ears. When I was a little boy, I used to be called Spock. Made me so mad. And then I realized, hey, Star Trek's a pretty great picture, amen? So I got over that, and uh, when I look in the mirror, I, I see my dad, and the older I get, I, I, I take that as a wonderful compliment, and I'll think, I, I don't remember when I started at Camden, I don't remember having this much forehead. So something's changing there. There are some things you can correct and there are some things that you go with. And here's the good news. The whole story of redemption in the Bible is about God judging sin. And the whole story of redemption is that God loved us so much, he loved you so much, that he made a way for something to be changed that you can never fix yourself, and that is that he would pay for our sin by his death on Calvary, the cross. That's the whole story of the gospel. And the story of the gospel comes to us through the word of God. So when you look at the message of the prophet, he says, hear this word that the Lord has spoken. So in the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets. Folks, listen to me. We have the word of God, the living word of God, the Bible to represent God speaking to us. And what he does is he, he takes his word through the power of the Holy Spirit, gets our attention, convicts our heart of sin, and God uses his word for his glory, the, the word of God. Now, you know what the Bible says about the word of God in Hebrews chapter 4, Joe? The word of God is living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. What is? The living word of God. Folks, listen to me. We live in a culture that's drifted away from the Bible. I'm telling you, the answer is not drifting further. The answer is the word of God. We will find Jesus and the answer for life in his precious 
word. So we have this responsibility. We've been given this privilege just as Israel from the heart of God, his own people, to be reminded that it's the word of God that gives us truth and life and it answers the questions of life. On, uh, on my business card, uh, on one of them it says something like this. If you don't have a church, we invite you. Um, life's greatest question is where will you spend eternity? Come and see how the Bible answers that question and many other life's questions. Who? The Bible, the Word of God. You know the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we're in a day, we're living in a day where people are thinking, I don't need any more preaching. I don't need any more uh, gospel. I don't, I don't need any more of this. But I'm telling you, the truth is we need more. We need more. So if your heart this morning feels like it's not the kind of soil it used to be, or perhaps you're, you're feeling a little cold to the gospel, I want to remind you that there are some things that will be a litmus test for you when it comes to lack of the Word of God. For instance, oftentimes when I don't feel very well physically, I'm prone to withdraw from reading. I don't, for some reason, I don't feel like reading when I'm sick. You might be here today and you've not been feeling well and you say, tell you the truth, Brother Greg, I haven't been reading the Bible at all. I'm telling you, folks, when we, with, when we pull away from the Word of God, uh, it, is, it is a test, it's a, it's a litmus test that something's wrong. It's a diagnostic test when we don't want to read the Word of God uh, or when we begin to feel like we don't feel like praying. I believe God wants me to pray whether I feel like it or not. You might be in a marriage. How would you like to say this to your spouse? I don't feel like giving you a kiss this morning. Renee would say, I don't care if you feel like it or not, plant one on me right now. That's what she would say. Aren't you glad you're not saved by feelings? Aren't you glad you're not saved by feelings? If you were saved by how you felt, you would ride a roller coaster of emotion every single day. You'd wake up in the morning, and, or Sunday morning, you feel good. You go to church, hear the word of God, worship with your church family, leave, feel pretty good. I feel saved. Monday morning comes and hits you right in the face. Don't feel so good. I don't feel so spiritual. I must not be saved. I am not saved by how I feel. I'm saved by the promises of the word of God, that Jesus loved me, died on the cross for me. By faith, I received him as my Lord and Savior, and by faith, he is the one who will keep me saved. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. So oftentimes, when our heart is not good soil to receive God's word, some things begin to suffer, and reading the word of God's one of them. My prayer life is one. Bible study gets hard. And I begin to slip further and further from wanting to be any part of it. The Bible says in Psalm 95, verse 7, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. So what we see in Amos chapter three is a reminder to hear the word of God. If you look at chapter four, verse one, you see the same words, hear the word. Chapter five, verse one, hear the word. 
So Amos gives us a healthy dose of hearing the Word of God. And here's what I believe Amos is trying to reinforce. I didn't ask for this. I believe Amos is saying, I didn't ask for this. God chose me. Warren Wiersbe is going to help us a little bit this morning understand this because I'm going to give you three simple things to write down. First of all, God offers a gracious call. A gracious call. We see it in the life of Israel. Look at verse two. You only have I known all of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all of your iniquities. The whole kingdom, the whole kingdom, both kingdoms guilty. God had chosen them and no other. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter seven, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he would swore to his fathers, remember to Abraham the promises, to Isaac, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now I love this. God's call is a gracious call. And when I think about his call in the life of Israel as a nation, I think about his call in your life and my life as believers. Do you remember when uh, you began to be convicted of sin in your life? Or, or maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Brother Greg, I don't know what's going on, but it seems like uh, when you give invitations, God's stirring up my heart. Something, something's going on in my spirit or maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, I don't know when the last time the Holy Spirit moved in my life. Folks, I'm telling you, it's God initiating that work. You being in church is a wonderful thing, but it does not merit the call of God on your life. Uh, I love the fact when you think about God calling, God doing the choosing, it reminds me of a, a, a picture uh, that, that I want us all to go back to elementary. Cody, this will be a good one for you. Elementary school. I want you to go back with me to Morrison Elementary School on Arthur Avenue in Northridge. I was a walker. I lived on Canary Court. I never got to ride a bus. Oh, how I wanted to ride a bus when I was in elementary school. But I got to walk. I got to, I got to be on the safety patrol. Remember that? Had a safety patrol belt and a badge. Man, I thought I, I, was, I was Barney Fife. I remember one day, Robert Larson running down the hall, and I grabbed him by the arm and said, stop running, and he did stop, and he just turned and hit me right in the jaw. <laughs> Some badges will do weird things to people. But I remember recess. I recently asked the boys, what's your, what's your favorite class in school? And their resounding response was recess or gym class. 
And I thought, you know what? For a, a little boy, that's just fine. They didn't say music. They said all, they said all dad or papa, that music teacher, he's a case. But it was all fun stuff they were involved in. And at Morrison, as a boy, the big game for us at recess, there were two games. One of them was tetherball. And I quit playing that when Renee started beating me at recess. And the other was kickball. And to have a kickball team, you had to choose sides. And you remember, line up, and two, you'd pick two guys to be the captain or whatever, and you'd have to pick quick because you're at recess. You're not wasting time. And there was always someone that was last pick. And it was like, okay, come on, you're with us. Look at me. Look at me. God wants you on his team. Now you say, well, Brother Greg, hold it. Hold it. Now, you, now you're starting to talk about election. I am for, for a little bit. But I want, to, I want to stipulate something this morning. When it comes to the doctrine of election, it's one of the most complicated things in the world to understand, yet alone preach. But here's where I stand. I believe that God's sovereign in charge of everything. My next, my next heartbeat depends on the grace of God. Jason, I believe the day that's appointed for a man to die, I believe God controls that. But I also believe that God holds you and I responsible for what he does. The sovereignty of God, I have a responsibility to respond to it. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I don't believe God's gonna take you to heaven kicking and screaming. You're gonna have to surrender your life. That Holy Spirit that's knocking on your door this morning is the Holy Spirit of God that's moving and working and drawing for you to surrender and say yes. I love what one preacher said in regards to it. He said, A.W. Pink, like the doctrine of the Holy Trinity and the miraculous virgin birth of the Savior, the truth of election must be received with simple, childlike, unquestioning faith. I believe that. And when you think about what God does, and he offers this salvation, Lord, it's the grace of God. Now, John 15, verse 16, Jesus said, you ready? Listen. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Oh, man, when I think about that, when I think about that, it doesn't want to make me strut around. When I think about what God's given us here in Camden, it doesn't want to make me take any credit or us any credit. Folks, let me tell you, when nobody wanted you, God did, and he does. And that's why Jesus came. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. That, that's why Lewis's service was easy for a preacher. Man, there was fruit 
there's so much fruit left that remains and will continue on. I mean, maybe you're here today and you didn't make the team. You're not fast enough, you're not big enough, you're not tough enough. Maybe somebody told you you weren't smart enough. Maybe you grew up in a home where your, your dad, maybe your dad said you'll never amount to anything. God says, I, I choose you. I want you. I don't care about that stuff. He looks at you and he looks at me and he sees the level field. We're sinners separated from God. We need a savior. And that's the good news of the gospel. He continues to call. It's a gracious call. Just as he called Israel, he calls us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, See your calling, brethren. See that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put shame the wise. And he's chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So what does he decide to do? He decides to use this shepherd farmer who would think and probably say, I'm nobody, I didn't come looking for this. But God graciously called me. And brothers and sisters, this morning, listen to me. God's desire for you is to be saved. He desires for you to go to heaven. And you're in church on Sunday morning. I can't help but think that because you're here, you have an interest in the things of God. But God loves you so much, he died on the cross to pay for your sin, and he invites you to come to himself. Listen to me. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I chose you. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, we recognize that God's gracious love for us is that he first loved me. He knew all about me. And in his grace, he calls us. Charles Spurgeon had an interesting uh, quote about this very subject. He said this, one of the greatest preachers of all time. Spurgeon said, if God had painted a yellow stripe on the backs of the elect, I would go around lifting up shirts. But God didn't do that. I must preach whosoever will. And as I preach whosoever will, whosoever believes I know are the elect. I love that. You see, because whosoever has your name on it. Whosoever has your name on it. And God loves you that much. You know, when I think about standing in line wondering if you're going to get picked, Catherine Labor said, I knew nothing, I was nothing, and for this very reason, God picked me. And he uses Amos for his glory, reminding us of God's gracious call on our life. 
But there's another call we're gonna see in this passage, and it's, God's, it's an effective call that takes place. God's call is effective. What do you mean? It's life-changing. You see, in the Old Testament, he delivers Israel from Egyptian bondage. Do you remember the story of the Passover? If the blood was applied above the door, the death angel would pass over. And what a picture of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, as Christians this morning, we're saying that we're forgiven, we're saved because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And folks, it wasn't on above a, a door, it was on the cross of Calvary. And the good news is, you and I as believers this morning say, praise the Lord, his call was not in vain, his gracious call was the real deal, and I've responded, it's an effective call in my life. What he does is he delivers Israel, and he'll deliver you, even in the hardship of life. Thursday night, Renee and I went to a movie entitled Life Mark. Life Mark is another movie in the line of, of movies from Fireproof and Courageous and War Room, Overcomer. One of the greatest stories I've ever seen on forgiveness, on pro-life, on folks who are praying to have a baby and a young couple realizing they couldn't take care of a baby. Folks, I'm telling you, God has the answer for all of our needs. He's the real deal, and he wants your decision to not be in vain. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. So you're not redeemed by things. You're not redeemed by tradition, but by the precious blood of Jesus as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Peter writes these words in 1 Peter chapter 2, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, and by whose stripes you are healed. Do you know why you're chosen? It's because he's the one who paid the price. Jesus wants you to go to heaven. I've never met anybody who has responded to me when asked the question, do you want to go to heaven when you die? I've never had anybody say I don't want to go to heaven. But I meet a lot of people who think everybody goes to heaven. But the Bible says our sin separates us and Jesus died so that we could be forgiven. Amen, church? That's the good news. That's the good news. God calls, we are to respond. Spurgeon later went on to say, there are two great truths I've preached my entire ministry. First of all, salvation is free to every man who will receive it. Secondly, God gives salvation to whom he has chosen. These truths are not in conflict with each other to the least degree. And I praise God that he still calls. I praise God that there are 1,100 that we just found out publicly are saying, I feel like God's calling me to be an international missionary. God continues to call men and women to ministry and to serve the local church in different ways. And I thank God for that call that's not only gracious, but it's effective. A number of you went to Jack Moore's visitation. And uh, my memory, uh, Dick McKee has been uh, lifelong friends, Dick and Kathy with Jack. And my takeaway from Jack Moore is 
you can be in ministry and be happy. You can serve the Lord a long time and still have a smile on your face. Doesn't matter where God takes you, encourage somebody. That's the things I, I learned from Jack Moore. And the good thing is, listen, that isn't something that you can buy. That isn't something that you can manufacture. But it's what God did through the effective call to ministry in his life. When I became your pastor, my, my call came before you calling me. And it came with tears. And there were three people I wanted to share it with. First was Renee, the second was my dad, the third was my pastor, Brother Betts. And, and they affirmed what I felt like God was doing in my life. And that, and, and that took me to February 1993, cold, snowy day. I was asked to fill a pulpit here in Camden. I can remember like it was yesterday. John and Bonnie were shoveling snow. Martha Allen greeted me. And not very long after that, Beulah came and found me because she was doing the music. I got to preach, had a great time. Renee didn't come with me. Went home and said, oh, I really enjoyed that. Had a good day. A little while later, they called again and said, can you come Sunday morning, Sunday night? And that began kind of a season of conversation. I'll be your... I'll be your interim pastor. I'll be happy to do that. To, I'll be your bivocational pastor, but we're going to stay in Dayton, and I'll continue to work the post office. To, we'll move to Camden, but I'm not going to quit the post office. Notice that little security bag I was hanging on to? To one of the easiest decisions of our life. We're either all in or not. Boy, I think about that. I'm nothing special, but here's what I thank God for. I praise God, Pearl, I didn't miss the call. Because most likely, we would not have met any of you sitting here right now. You say, well, Brother Greg, that's, that's just exception. I remember before that decision, sitting in the other building with Renee, thinking, God, help me not be wrong, help me not be wrong. I remember one night sitting in my driveway ready to quit, go back to Dayton, and Albert was sitting right beside me in my car and said, you'll be okay. Get your good night's rest and pray. You'll be okay tomorrow. You know what, he, you know what I learned? You'll be okay. There's nothing easy when it comes to total surrender. But once you totally surrender, everything seems to fall in place. So here's what I'm saying. You can't come to Christ with one foot in and one foot out. Maybe you're here today and you're dabbling with the world because it's fun. Well, I'm telling you, the fun's going to run out and you're going to look at eternity. One day when we stand before holy God, he's not going to talk about how fun was life. The answer is, have you been covered by the blood of Jesus? And what he sees is the perfect price for my redemption. I love that. I love that. I wasn't going to share that story because sometimes when I do, I feel like you think that's something special. I'm telling you, folks, God is faithful. He's faithful. 
And until you recognize that his call is gracious on your life, until you recognize that he's more than enough, I want you to write this down in your Bible or on the bulletin or something. Write the three, wor- the three words. We, Marcia, we sang it. He's all I need. Write this down. Christ is enough. He's all you need. He'll meet you where you're at. He'll take you where you can't go. He'll open doors. He'll, cl- he'll close doors. He'll give you peace. He'll stir your heart. He'll draw you to himself. Here's the good news, and he'll keep you saved. Why? Because when he calls you, it's an effective call. I love that. And then thirdly, the third call we see is an exclusive call. Look at verse 2, chapter 3. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all of your iniquities. God had called, God had chosen, and God had blessed. And in essence, Amos is saying, God has told us, told me to tell you that you're responsible now. You're responsible. You see, oftentimes when you think that God is the one who does the saving and God is the one who does the keeping, then because I, can't, I didn't do anything to deserve it, I can't do anything to lose it, I'll just live my life however I want to live. And we use it as, a, as an excuse to sin. And of course, Paul says in the book of Romans, God forbid, when you give your life to Christ, you have freedom to be obedient, not to do your own thing. You see, privilege brings responsibility. The Bible says in Luke 12, for everyone to whom is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask more. So what does God ask of us? He asks us to live a life worthy of of the calling. Live a changed life. Now, when the hearer to the word of Amos was listening, they may have come up with things like, Who is that? Who is he? So Amos just lays it down. He lays it on the line. Look at verse three. A lot of times when people preach Amos chapter three, this is the verse they pull out. Amos 3, three. Can two walk together unless they are agreed Will a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he has caught nothing? Will a bird fall into a snare on earth where there is no trap for it? Will a snare spring up from the earth if it has caught nothing? If a trumpet is blown in the city, will not the people be afraid if there is calamity in the city? Will not the Lord have done it? Amos kind of lays out some illustrations that we can understand. Can two walk unless they are agreed? Can two walk together unless you have determined the time and the place? A young lion doesn't cry out when it has nothing. It it cries out when it's caught its prey. It roars. A bird falls into a snare on the earth where there's no trap. No. No. Will a snare spring from catching nothing? No. If a trumpet is blown in the city, will not the people be afraid? 
If there's a calamity in the city, will not the Lord have done this? Amos is saying, God gets our attention. Judgment's not going to take place until the people hear from the prophet, until we hear the lion roar. Look at verse eight. A lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Amos says, here's the word. Here's the word. And I believe that if God can use an untrained prophet like Amos to preach his message, it's because God has called Amos for it, for the task. And I believe God still calls people. Man, it's been a long time since we've had any of our church walk down an aisle and say, I feel like God's called me to ministry. I feel like God's called me to serve. Well, let me make sure you understand something. There's some very clear calls in Scripture. The first one is God's calling you to be saved, first of all. What do you mean be saved? What do I need to be saved from? You need to be saved from the penalty of sin. Jesus paid for it. And when you receive him as Lord and Savior, you receive his precious free gift of eternal life. For some of you believers in the room this morning, you need to be obedient. Man, just see what God wants to do. Start saying no to sin and yes to Christ. When the opportunity comes to make the decision for Jesus or rebel, choose Christ and see what he begins to do in your life. And thirdly, for some of you, you just need to be available. Some of the most spiritual people I know are never available to serve anywhere. You see, you've got to recognize God's call on your life is gracious. You've got to recognize that it's, it's in that call that you recognize he's got everything you need. It's an effective call. And then when you look at verses 9 and 10, he calls witnesses. And verses 11 through 15, he calls for judgment. And we know that the kingdom of Israel would fall to an enemy in 722 B.C., as Assyria would invade that northern kingdom, Israel. I want to close with this. I love this. There are many reasons why God shouldn't have called you. Okay. Christian, there are many reasons why God should not have called you. But don't worry, you're in good company. Moses stuttered. John Mark was rejected by Paul. Timothy had ulcers. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Solomon was too rich. Abraham was too old. Peter was afraid of death. Lazarus was dead. Naomi was a widow. Paul was a murderer. So was Moses. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed. Elijah was burnt out. John the Baptist was loudmouthed. Martha was a worrywart. Mary was lazy. 
Noah got drunk. Then the writer said, did I mention that Moses had a short fuse? So did Peter and Paul. Well, lots of folks did. Back to the top line. There are many reasons why God shouldn't have called us. But he did. And he's calling you. He's calling you. And until you surrender whatever area of life God's calling you, maybe you're here today and you're a Christian, and every time I mention baptism, you're convicted because you've never been baptized by immersion. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I was sprinkled, Brother Greg, when I was young or in a different denomination, and, and, and I believe that was sufficient, maybe for such a time as that, but baptism means to immerse, submerge. That's the obedient step maybe you need to take. Or maybe you just need to come and get on your knees and say, God, he's right. When I'm asked to do something, I never say yes to be part of it. Help me to be more available. Well, that's the invitation. Maybe that's the invitation. Let's all stand.